Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're so faithful, God. You're so faithful. You're so faithful. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We honor you, Lord God, for being a faithful God. We can depend on you. You are reliable, Lord God. You're steadfast. You're unmovable. You're always here for us. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for being a great and awesome God. We thank you for turning our hearts back to you, Lord God, and just uh, awakening us a newness and a freshness to be with you and to long for you and to experience your faithfulness day in and day out, Lord God, and how great it is. We honor and adore you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Isn't he great? Isn't his faithfulness great in this place? Uh, we honor the Lord, and I uh, thank you for this opportunity to be before you. Uh, God is truly good and great in this place. Uh, we are going to continue the series about God's faithfulness. The title is Don't Forget to Remember his faithfulness. Don't forget to remember his faithfulness. How many of us have a problem with sometimes forgetting? <laughs> um, I did some research on forgetting. Forgetting is obviously a common problem among many people. Uh, and it can have serious consequences sometimes <laughs> if you forget the wrong thing, right? Uh, like your anniversary or your spouse's birthday or something. It's a serious consequence there. Um, <laughs> Uh, why and how we forget information. Uh, there have been some research by a researcher, Elizabeth Loftus, has identified four major reasons why people forget. Uh, one is retrieval failure. Why we often are unable to retrieve information from memory. One possible explanation is retrieval failure. It is known as a decay theory. That doesn't sound good, right? Yeah. Decay theory. According to this theory, a memory trace is created every time a new theory is uh, formed. So a new memory, a memory tra trace is created every time a new uh, theory is formed or a new memory is formed. Decay theory suggests that over time, these memory traces in the brain begin to fade and disappear. If the information is not retrieved and rehearsed, it will be eventually lost. Now, there is some... Uh, fallacy to this theory because sometimes you can retrieve information from your long-term memory without having to recite it over and over again. You know, you just, there's certain things that you remember from your childhood that you don't have to rehearse. You just remember it. As soon as you hear it, you hadn't heard it in 30 years, but sometimes if you hear a song, you know all the verses to that song because it's just there. So there is some fallacy to that retrieval failure. Uh, another, the second thing is interference. Interference theory suggests that some memories compete and interfere with other memories. I think I have run into this a lot. <laughs> when information is very similar to other information that was previously stored in memory, interference is more likely to occur. So interference theory suggests that there are some things that are very similar in nature and your, the memory of that one thing may move out and be replaced by something that's very similar. Makes sense, right? You know. So then you forget, oh, I went a different way last time. It was similar, but slightly different. And so I remember this way and not the other way. Um, 
Failure to store. I'm probably under this one as well. <laughs> Sometimes losing information has less to do with forgetting and more to do with the fact that it never made it into our long-term memory uh, in the first place. Encoding failures sometimes prevent information from entering long-term memory. Um, so failure to restore, that means that sometimes the information, I, I, I dare say this, may not have been important enough to you, for you to remember, and so you never, it never entered your, your long-term memory. And sometimes it was just too overwhelming that you just didn't remember. It was just a lot to take in. So you may remember bits and pieces of it, but not the totality of it. So it was just a failure to store into your memory banks. And then there's motivated forgetting. <laughs> that sounds interesting. <laughs> I'm motivated to forget. <laughs> Sometimes we are actively, we actively work to forget memories, especially those that may be traumatic or disturbing in nature. Uh, so sometimes our, our brain tells us, you want to forget this because this is not good. Uh, and then there may be some things that, that I think they're um, the opposite of this, and this is not in her research, is that they're motivated memory and that there are things that are exciting to us that we want to remember. So we actively work to remember those things that are, are great or pleasurable or good to us. We actively work to remember those things. Uh, painful memories can be upsetting and anxiety provoking. So there's, there are times that we may desire to eliminate them. But what we don't want to forget is God's faithfulness, right? Don't forget to remember his faithfulness. Uh, Psalms 106. We're going to look at Psalms 106. We're going to go to Mark 8, 14 through 21. We're going to stay there for a little while. And I have some scriptures uh, concerning faithfulness that we're going to look at. We're going to jump around a lot. I'm sorry about that. And eventually we will close. <laughs> say eventually. <laughs> uh, Psalms 106. So in Psalms 106. It is talking about some things that the children of Israel had experienced and they have forgot uh, and they acted as if they forgot. I don't know if they really forgot or not, but, but they may have forgot. And we can look on judgment of the children of Israel in Psalms 106, but we are going to replace them with us <laughs> as they forgot. Uh, so 106 starts out, says, praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endured forever. We want OK right now. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth his praise? I can. Yes, that's me. Blessed are they that keep judgment and he doeth the righteousness all the time. Okay, maybe not all the time. All right, we're getting a little, a little sketchy here. Remember me. That sounds like me. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation that I may see the good they, of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation then I may glory in thy inheritance. All right, verse 6 is where it gets real serious. <laughs> we have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. And you can place that we with I. <laughs> our fathers understood not the wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at sea, even at the Red Sea. How can you not remember what happened in Egypt, right? You're in bondage for years. And soon as a trial comes and Lord leads you out of that, you remember the plagues? I mean, let's think about what went on 
during that time and how miraculous that seems to us. And you would think that that would be something that was etched in their heads that I cannot forget all that I saw, all the great things that God had done. But as soon as another trial comes, which is the Red Sea, they acted as if God had done nothing whatsoever. Right. Isn't that how we are? Isn't that exactly how we are? That God has sustained us and done so much in our lives. And as soon as the next trial or tribulation come, we act like he did not do the past 20 or 30 years. Like he said, do you not remember all that I brought you through, all that I've done for you? And yet this one thing that I've already done before, you know, we'll look at that again. You're now worried about you're not stressed out about. And I've shown you that I can do that. So he said, remember, oh, uh, yes, yeah, so it says, um, they remember not the multitude of thy mercies. And then you go down, verse 10, it says, and he saved them from the hand of him that hated them, and they redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies, and there was none of them left. Then believed they his words, they sang his praises. That's in verse 12. But right in verse 13, it says, they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tipped to God in the desert. How soon do we forget how great God is? How soon or quickly do we forget all that he's done for us and is doing for us? And as soon, I mean, it could be verses, it could be weeks, it could be months, it could be within an hour that we forget all the goodness of God and we feel like we're right back into that trouble. Sometimes we walk out of this building, all the weight of the world falls right back on us and we forget all the great, you know, all the word that we just received. The enemy just snatches it from us. Right? No, it's just me. <laughs> it's just me. It's not you guys. You guys remember. I forget. Often forget. Um, let's look at Mark 8. 14 through 21. And let's set this up in, in, in the book of uh, in uh, chapter eight of Mark. Uh, it does the miracle of uh, the loaves. Jesus feeds the four thousand at this point. With the loaves of bread in the beginning of chapter eight. Then he has an encounter with the Pharisees that they are demanding a sign. And you would think. That after hearing about what had just happened with feeding the 4,000, that that would be enough sign, right? But that is how we are. God shows us a sign, and then we come back and say, show me a sign. <laughs> I just showed you a sign. And Jesus was, uh, if you look at verse 11, and we'll get to it 14, it says, When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and start and uh, started to argue with him, testing him, and demanded that he show them miraculous signs from heaven to prove his authority. Now, you would think that the previous miracle that he had just performed would be a sign enough, right? Um, and when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why do these people keep demanding miraculous signs? I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation any such sign. Now, that's deep. I, we, could, we could camp out there for a little while, but we're not talking about that right now. So he, be, he, he got back into the boat and left them, and he crossed to the other side of the lake. And, and you know, when preparing for this, you know, I often think about Pastor Taylor and the miracle that he is, um, and how, you know, in our, those of you who may, may need healing, and we forget 
that God performed a miracle right in our midst. And so we're concerned about my knee or whatever, your back or whatever little things that may be going on. And God said, I showed you a miracle. What more sign do you need to believe that I can do the same for you? I can do the same healing in your life. So Jesus gets, Jesus gets back in the boat. And so we start at verse 14 and he says, uh, but the, this is funny to me. Uh, it's not funny, but it is. It says the disciples have forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. And so obviously there was some conversation. So Jesus had to hear them talking about, you know, oh, we forgot. We only have this one loaf of bread. And there are, you know, 12 of us, 11, 13 of us to feed. What are we going to do? Isn't that strange? (laughs) Do you get it? You know. We're still in chapter eight. He just fed 4,000. And now we're yet on the boat worried about how we're going to eat. And Jesus says to them, be careful. Jesus warned them, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And they discussed with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. (laughs) Come on. Do you not know who is in your midst? Did you not remember the miracle I just performed, and now you are concerned again about bread. Ah, but that is how we are, right? We can look at this and be like, oh, these, these idiots, but we are the idiot. <laughs> Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do, your, do you have eyes but fail to see? And ears but fail to hear. And don't you remember when I broke five loaves for 5,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they reply. And when I broke seven loaves for 4,000, how many basketful of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? He is the bread. Is he not the bread of life? And he is all they needed. And they were concerned about the physical bread. And he had already met that need before. And he assumed that they knew that he would meet that need again whenever it it came up. But they didn't see that. They were just in the moment and they were concerned about, oh, we have this one loaf. And I'm sure somebody was arguing with the other one and said, I told you to get those loaves that were left over. You left them on the ground at the uh, the, the uh, Pharisees eating up our bread. Now we only got one one loaf of bread here on the boat. We should have snatched it from them. They don't believe anyway. Um, <laughs> in verse 15, it says, be careful. Uh, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. Yeast only takes a small amount, but it affects the entire dough. A metaphor for yeast can be sin, pride, and unbelief. Uh, Pharisees was the religious system, and Herod would represent the political system of that time. It says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. And the yeast of the Pharisees would be your religious thinking, the religious system, your religious duties. You know, in the South, it's just natural for everyone to come to church, whether you believe anything the minister says or not. It is just what we do. Right. 
<laughs> is one of the things that you commonly ask people in circles when you're at work. What church do you go to? Because it's just assumed you go to church. <laughs> it is right. That's what we do in the South. You go to church, whether you believe or not. It's your religious duty to do that. And that yeast can infect your that tradition, that traditional yeast thinking of religious thinking can infect the dough, the new bread that Jesus was bringing. The yeast of Herod, if your belief is in a political system that Jesus is going to come through a political system, you are mistaken. (laughs) You are mistaken. No matter who you vote for, it is going to fall down. He is king of king and lord lord he he encompasses all that he needs to do he does not need any earthly organization or structure to do what he needs to do but the church if he's going to do anything it's going to be in the church it is not going to be how you vote please vote it's not going to be who you stand for or who you don't stand for but it's going to be if you stand in the church of god and we are breaching the gap the church is the one that he's called not the government We have to realize that. Be careful about mixing your religious and political thoughts with the bread of life or it will be contaminated. We, the church, cannot just be concerned about the soul, which we are, but also about the needs. God illustrates, Jesus illustrates in this that he is not just concerned about your soul, but he's also concerned about you eating, your natural needs. He is concerned about that, and he is going to meet that, just like he did here. He wasn't he didn't negate that there was a concern or there was a need. He was just saying, you guys, I've met that need before. Why are you worried about it now? Surely I will meet it again. Right. That's what we should be thinking in our own lives. Hasn't he done great things in our lives that you can point to? If you look back at the history of your life, your individual life. And you can see some great things that God has done. You may see some disappointments as well, but you can see some great things that God has done. And we're going to talk about those disappointments. Uh, God is, is not just concerned about your soul, but also about your circumstances, your needs, your day to day things that you're going through. And he can meet them because he is faithful. Faithfulness is an attribute of God's perfect character. God is faithful, trustworthiness, steadfast, will always do what he says and fulfill what he has promised. God will act and perform in in accordance with his word or his promises. Faithfulness is firm. It is reliable. God is faithful. Let's look at some things that God is faithful concerning. It's faithful concerning everything, but (laughs) that concerns him. God is faithful to his promises. Um, Kelly talked about Joseph last Sunday, and uh, God had promised Joseph some things in, in a dream, and God was faithful in fulfilling that. It says in Hebrews 10, um, let's go to 23, 19, I put 19 through 24, but we're going to just jump down uh, to 23 for time's sake. And it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, For he who promised is faithful. He who promised it is faithful. He is faithful concerning his promises. 
That's number one. He's faithful concerning his promises. Uh, he's faithful concerning keeping his people. First uh, Corinthians 10, 12 through 13 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is. Come on. <laughs> I like you believe it now. <laughs> God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you will be able to bear it. That's a good word right there, y'all. God is faithful in keeping his people. God is faithful in answering prayer. Psalms 143 and 1. It says, hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me. And in your righteousness. God is faithful in answering prayer. God is faithful to forgive our sin. First John 1, 8 through 9 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's good, too. It's all good. <laughs> uh, God is faithful to discipline us. Ugh, it doesn't sound good, right? <laughs> uh, Psalms 119, 73-75 says, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding and I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Now, that affliction is uh, affliction means to be humbled, to be bowed down, to be put down, to become low. That means he has disciplined you. He is faithful. His discipline It's the same humble uh, afflicted that is used in verse 71 of that same chapter that says it is good for me that I have been afflicted. And it means discipline that I may learn your statutes. So God is faithful concerning his discipline towards us. That doesn't sound good, but it's good for us because we learn from it. We learn from it. Uh, let's look at Psalms 103 and I'm almost done. Look at Psalms 103 it says uh, things, the benefits that we should not forget. And all the things that he is faithful for. So we looked at God is faithful in uh, his promises, keeping his people. God is faithful in answering prayer. God is faithful to forgive our sin. He is faithful to discipline us. And then he is faithful to uh, his benefits that he calls us not to forget. So we look in Psalms 103. It says, praise the Lord, my soul, and in my innermost being praise his holy name praise the lord my soul and forget not all his benefits now this is a benefits package that outbeats any kind of employee package that you could ever have whatsoever i mean this is just bar none you can't beat this um i have a pretty good job but these are the benefits package that i i need uh forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals 
all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Uh, That's good. Eight says the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor he will harbor anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. That's good right there. Or repay us according to our iniquities. Ah, that is faithful God. (laughs) He does not give me what I deserve. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. 14, he says, he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are just dust. Like life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower in the field. The wind blows and it is gone and is gone and his place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. That's a good word. He has good benefits. And so I want to conclude. I know that some of you will say, well, God is faithful. Yeah, I have that knowledge here, but I've been disappointed in life and I've had some Joseph moments. Right. You know, there's some things that happened that I didn't really ask for, but it happened and some disappointments in life. And um, Joseph says something in Genesis 50 uh, that, you know, you always remember. (laughs) Uh, It's one of those things that it hinges, it changes the whole story to me. Uh, It says, uh, looking at uh, Genesis 50, 19 through 21, Joseph says to them, don't be afraid, for I am in the place of God. So at that point, Joseph realized that this is this is God's doing. I'm here because God wanted me to be here. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. We have to believe that, as Romans 8.28 says, that we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. He didn't say some things, he said all things. It's the good and the bad. It's the disappointments that come, the, the lack and the wealth that comes as well, the plenty that may come. I realize that it is all working for my good and what someone may have meant for my evil, but God meant it for my good because I needed to be at that place. I needed to learn something from that experience. I needed to learn something from that struggle. I needed to learn something from that disappointment that will propel me to be where God wants me to be because he's faithful. He is faithful. So whether you believe he's faithful or not, (laughs) he is working it all for your good because he's faithful. Stand to your feet. Do Lord, we just thank you for being so faithful so good to us even when we don't deserve it you are so good to us and you cannot lie and your word is true and we may be waiting on some things to come to pass we may be waiting on some miracles in our own lives 
We may be waiting on the blessing that you promised us. Uh, We pray that we wait with patience, knowing that this trial is going to bring us to where you want us to be. And even in the midst of that, we know that you're faithful. You're faithful concerning forgiveness of our sins. You're faithful concerning your promises. You will not leave us. You're with us. You're faithful. All your promises in the word, Lord God, you're faithful to complete. You finished, a, uh, you started a good work in us and you're faithful to complete it. So we thank you and we bless you, Lord God, for being a great and awesome God. We just honor you, Lord. We submit our hearts to you. Even in this time of uncertainty and even when there may be calamity all around and even with maybe uncertainty in our own particular lives, Lord God, we believe your word and your word says you're faithful and I'm going to stand and rest on that, that you're going to see uh, me to an expected end, which is good for me. So we just thank you, Lord. We worship you throughout today and the rest of this week. Uh, we will remember. We will not forget. We will remember that you're faithful. So we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.